everybody, another edition, a week five edition, college football betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody is ready for what should be a really fun week five edition uh, of college football, week five of college football in general. This really feels like the weekend where it's like, okay, college football is officially here. All five power five conferences have not only games in conference, but we're talking about marquee in-conference games. Arkansas hosting Alabama, LSU at Auburn, Old Miss at Kentucky, uh, Michigan at Iowa, Clemson hosting NC State. Really fun weekend. We are going to dive into the entire week five slate momentarily. Before we do, though, really quickly, I do want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, a company that I have been thrilled to work with all college football season long. That is the Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. So here's the deal. I told you about Betfred over the last couple of weeks, but they have been around since 1967 in the UK, over 1,600 shops, one of the most well-respected sportsbooks overseas. They have come to the U.S. and they are making a big splash here in the United States. They are the not only presenting sponsor of Aaron Torres Media, They're the presenting gambling sponsor of the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. And as it pertains to Thursday night football, now some of you listen to this show on Thursday, others on Friday. But on Thursday night football, they're the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals. All week long, they have been giving away tickets to the Cincinnati Bengals game against Miami on Thursday night. You can sit in the Betfred suite, all courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. I've told you before, I'll tell you again, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. As I said, not just free tickets to the Cincinnati Bengals game on Thursday night football. They're giving away tickets all season long. Uh, If you live in Ohio, make sure to sign up. Betfred, of course, will go live on January 1st, 2023, when sports betting goes legal in 2023. Uh, But outside of that, they are the official presenting sponsor of the Colorado Rockies, of the Denver Broncos. Huge presence in the state of Iowa, uh, Iowa Cubs, the, the, the minor league team presenting sponsor there. And I will mention this as well. We are going to have boots on the ground. I will not be there personally, but boots on the ground at the Michigan-Iowa game. And I'll tell you this, I'll explain why in a minute. But the Betfred boost this week is actually Iowa at plus 110 odds to get them at plus 11 at home against Michigan. I'll give you details in a minute. That is the Aaron Torres Betfred exclusive I hate to spoil the fun on the preview, but I do like the Hawkeyes to cover. So thank you to Betfred. Make sure to sign up. Follow them on social media at Betfred Sports. As I told you, there is no sports book anywhere that takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. I am so happy to be working with them all football season long. But that said, let's get to the week five slate. On the one hand, can't believe we're talking week five already. But as I said, we are in for some really exciting games. And I want to start with probably the biggest game on the slate, uh, but also one that I'll be honest, right? Um, You know, I try to be transparent with all you guys and girls. I try to tell you exactly how I feel about all these games. And when it comes to Arkansas hosting Alabama, I don't really know which side of the line I'm on. Alabama comes in. They were a 17 and a half point favorite. As I record here on Thursday morning, it is down to 17 points. The over-under set at 61, and I just have a lot of different thoughts about this game. I think some of it is on the field. I think some of it is off the field mentally with Alabama. So let's break this down because it's interesting, right? We are at the time of the year. We're going to talk about this throughout some of these games. I think there's some teams that we know a lot about at this point. I think there's others that we don't really know much about. I don't think we know a ton about Alabama. 
I do actually think we know quite a bit against our, about Arkansas. They've already played two SEC games. They played a marquee out-of-conference opponent in Cincinnati. And so I think we kind of know who Arkansas is. I think, as I told you on this show last week, they do one thing exceptionally well and one thing exceptionally poorly, one on offense, one on defense. And I do think those two variables are going to come into whether Arkansas can keep this close. On offense, they run the ball right at you. I've talked about this not only all of this season, but really all of last season as well. This is who Sam Pittman is. This is what they are about. This is what Arkansas does as well as anybody in the SEC. They run the ball right at you and make you stop them. 243 yards per game on the ground this year. That is second in the SEC, only behind Ole Miss. And remember, Ole Miss hasn't really played anybody, certainly not the schedule of Arkansas. And even last week, and we, we know how the A&M game went down, this was a team that was still able to run for close to 250 yards rushing. But what I would also say is it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing, right? Not really a chicken and the egg thing. I do think this will be the best run defense that Arkansas plays all season long. And so I do think part of this game will come down to a couple things. One, can they effectively run the football against an Alabama rush defense that has been elite all season long? Now, I know Alabama hasn't really played anybody, but they're number four in the country in rush defense. They're giving up just 1.84 yards per game, less than two yards, 1.84 yards per rush. I think I said 1.84 yards per game, which would be the most incredible rush defense in the history of the sport. Uh, but they're giving up less than two yards per carry. This defense is uh, dynamic. Um, but it is also worth noting they, they really haven't played anybody of note outside of Texas. But even that Texas game, they did hold Texas to about two and a half yards per carry. So the Arkansas run offense against the Alabama run defense will be one place where you need to keep an eye on. I will say I do think for Arkansas to keep this close, they are going to have to make plays through the air. And it is worth noting, K.J. Jefferson, one of the best games that he played all of last year was against Alabama. 22 of 30, 328 yards passing. And so if you're an Arkansas fan, I think that's a really good sign. K.J. Jefferson doesn't throw the ball a ton, but he has proven to be efficient when he does. And he played well against this same very defense last year. So that's one side of things. We know about Arkansas. We know they want to run the ball. And the question becomes, will Alabama stop it? And if they do, can Arkansas adjust by moving the ball through the air? But I also think on the flip side, I think it also comes down to this Alabama pass attack versus the Arkansas run or for the Arkansas pass defense, excuse me. And so the Arkansas defense is a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde thing because on the one hand, they actually lead college football with 20 sacks total through four games. Not great at math, but that's five sacks a game if my math is correct. Uh, so they lead college football with 20 total sacks. But on the flip side, they also, that pass defense is really bad. They rank 126th out of 131 teams in the FBS in pass defense. They are giving up close to three, well, a little bit over 300 yards per game. And remember, it was just two weeks ago that they gave up well over 300 to Bobby Petrino's FCS Missouri State team that went into uh, Fayetteville and threw the ball all over the yard. So Arkansas, think about it like this. They actually rank 126th in pass defense. That's after they played Texas A&M, Max Johnson, in that abysmal Texas A&M pass offense. I would be worried if I was a Hogs fan, and I'll just tell you, I think this game and the ability to keep things close 
really comes down to can you get pressure on Bryce Young? The only time that we've ever really seen Bryce Young struggle at the college level, that was last year against Georgia in the national championship game. And it was because he was constantly on the move, constantly doing this, constantly doing that, didn't have time in the pocket to make plays. You give him time, he is going to slice and dice you, especially against uh, an Arkansas pass defense that has struggled all season long. Final thought on this game, and I do think it's important. Um, I do think it's important is this is the game, I, I think we learn a little bit about the psyche of Alabama. And it's interesting because I talked about this a little bit on the Aaron Torres podcast this week. But Nick Saban, earlier this season, I believe it was in the lead up to the Louisiana Monroe game, he basically said, we need, the quote he used was incredible, we need more hateful competitors in this locker room and on this roster. And essentially what he said was, during, during our best years, our greatest runs, we took pride in not only going to a stadium and beating the 11 guys that were lined up across from us on the field, we took pride in going and beating the 100,000 people that packed the stadium to watch us, and those teams took great pride in walking out of a stadium with a silent stadium, walking out of a seeing opposing fans leave in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, knowing it was over. And his almost exact quote verbatim was, I think too many of the guys in this locker room really just care about getting the win without regard to how it happens. And so, listen, there's no shame in winning on the road, especially in the SEC. But it is worth noting the last few years. Think about it. Last year, they go to Florida, win by two, lose at Texas A&M, go to Auburn, takes four overtimes to beat Auburn in the Iron Bowl, and then, of course, had to hold on for dear life against Texas earlier this year. And so the players in the Alabama locker room earlier this week when they had media availability, they did say, we get what Coach Saban is saying. We're playing with that edge. We're going to find out a lot about this Alabama team this week. I will say, I think the advantages line up nicely for Alabama. I'm not totally sold that they're a team right now that is going to go on the road and beat a good Arkansas team by 17-plus points. It, this one is a total stay away to me. I have no strong opinion. If I had to make a bet, Fred Pick, and this is totally unofficial, it would be it would be Arkansas plus the 17 points. But again, I have no strong opinion because if Alabama flips that switch and they say we are the baddest team, we've been watching Georgia, all the hype they're getting, let's go prove a point. I think they do match up nicely with Arkansas. Total stay away to me. Let's keep it going. Let's stay in the SEC. And I'll say this, you know, there, there's obviously another top 25 matchup in that league this weekend with Ole Miss and Kentucky. But I'm going to go in a different direction for a game that is really, really, really interesting in my eyes. And that is the Auburn-LSU game. How about this? LSU, Brian Kelly, we kind of forgot about LSU. They are an eight-point road favorite. LSU at Auburn at night is an eight-point road favorite. The over-under has actually gone up a little bit from 45.5 to 46. Uh, and one thing that I, I do think is kind of interesting about this game, if you remember back to last year, this was kind of the game where we we knew it was it was over for Coach O. Now, Coach O, a week later, they go to Kentucky. They get destroyed. Um, that was when he unofficially got fired. They announced it after the Florida game the following week. But if you remember, LSU had not lost at home to Auburn since 1999. They lose at home last year, and that was kind of when you knew this is not going to work out for Coach O and LSU, especially following that UCLA loss to open the season. And so why it's ironic is because this was the game where we found out, oh, Coach O wasn't the coach for LSU. 
this might be the game that Brian Harson, you know, I don't know if he survives this one. Worth noting, uh, Auburn plays Georgia next week. So this one could get ugly. This one could get out of hand. I don't even know if they lose this game if, if Brian Harson survives to play Georgia next week. Uh, and then from obviously there, the schedule doesn't get much easier. You do have Ole Miss after that, Arkansas, A&M, on and on and on and on and on. In terms of the game on the field, what's interesting to me, what I just said, LSU is an eight-point favorite. And it is interesting because, and I say this all the time on the Aaron Torres pod and on this show, the internet has decided they don't like Brian Kelly. But if you pay close attention to LSU, they are a vastly improved football team from that Florida State game. Now, a couple things. One, as it turns out, Florida State might actually be pretty good. And two, I do understand that LSU really hasn't played the greatest competition three straight home games, Southern, Mississippi State, and then, of course, New Mexico last week. But go ahead and look at what they've done. I mean, you talk about just absolute domination in the last three weeks. They beat Southern. I know it's an FCS team, 65-17, to 31-16 win over a good Mississippi State team that it is worth noting is favored at home against Ole Miss. And then New Mexico, 38 nothing last week. And how about this? Over six. 130 yards of total offense for LSU. And that's what's been impressive to me is that obviously, look, Coach O did not leave the cupboard bare, especially again, especially the skill positions. But it's one thing to not leave the cupboard bare. It's another thing to put guys in position to succeed. And I do think Brian Kelly has done that. The thing that's especially interesting, this team that struggled so much to run the ball against Florida State. Remember the goal line, uh, you know, kind of pitch back like, like, well, this team is just running the ball right at people right now. Uh, last week, Noah Kane, the transfer from Penn State, had 94 yards on the ground. And actually against Mississippi State, again, they were a top 30 defense last year, 207 yards on the ground. And so LSU, Brian Kelly, we're going to learn a little bit this week, but he's doing what he was brought in to do. And I will say, if he gets the win this week, it's probably the death knell for Brian Harson, And it's probably, by the way, a great sign for LSU going forward that Brian Kelly is the right guy. For Auburn, couple thoughts. One, we all sort of, I don't want to say we watched the Missouri game last week because it was pretty much unwatchable, but um, we did kind of monitor it. And that Auburn offense is terrible, man. And, and you know, I don't know what's going on in that locker room. And I don't know what what the deal is. And, and, and if guys have quit on Brian Harson. it seemed like the guys that stayed really believed in his vision. But I mean, when you put up in that game, against Missouri. And Missouri is not very good on defense. Obviously, it goes without saying. But when you put up 200 whatever yards of offense, I think it was 217 yards of offense against Missouri, it probably does not bode well for the rest of the season ahead. And really, to me, it was 217 yards. I was correct. It really does speak to the thin ice that Brian Harson is on and why I do think he's going to struggle. The one thought that I do have, well, two really quick thoughts. One, I will say this for Auburn. Despite the struggles, it is worth noting that obviously the one thing that they have done pretty well this year is, is stop the run. I do think when you look at this game, I do think that's probably going to be key for this game. Um, you know, Auburn, of all the things that they don't do well, they have been pretty good at stopping the run. The Penn State game, they obviously struggled. But in the other three games this season, they're giving up about 85 yards on the ground that would put them in the top 20, top 25. Now, Penn State is by far the best team that they've played. And so it does concern you that against the best team they played, they did give up a lot of yardage. Um, but 
I do think that's the only way, right? I think if you're if you if you like Auburn as a as a home dog, what I believe has to happen is they have to play lights out defense, they have to stop the run, and they have to keep it low scoring. Which brings me to this: I do believe that probably the best side and the side that I am on, I think rather than taking LSU with the points, Auburn minus the points or plus the points, excuse me, just take the under. Because this is a rivalry. It was funny. I was thinking about this. I said to myself, I said, this always feels like a pretty low scoring game. But is it really or is that my imagination? Well, I went back and looked it up. And if you take out the COVID year of 2020, when it was just chaos across college football, 24 to 19 was the score last year, 23 to 20 in 2019. Now, remember, that was the LSU, Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase team. You know who held them to the fewest points all season long? It wasn't Bama. It wasn't Clemson in the playoff. It wasn't Oklahoma in the playoff. It was Auburn in a win in Baton Rouge. So LSU at home scored only 23 points against Auburn. But the last five years outside of COVID, 24-19 last year, 23-20 in 2019, 22-21 in 2018, 27-23 in 2017, 18-13 in 2016. And so to me, the over-under of 45.5 just feels like the right side. This is always close. This is always low scoring. Um, I don't feel great about taking Auburn plus the points. And I could see a scenario where like LSU wins this game like 17 to three. And then all of a sudden the the game goes well under and you still didn't hit the bet with Auburn as the home dog. So stay away to me. Um, This just feels like one where I'm probably going to side with the under rather than taking either side. Speaking of unders, we got to do it. We got to jump two feet in. And talk about a game and a team that only your mother could love. I am, of course, talking to our grandmother. What is the saying? A, a, a face only a grandmother could love or a mother could love? I can't remember. Whatever. I got a face that everybody could love. So what do I care? But I'm obviously talking about Michigan, number four in the country. It's been an interesting debate all, all week. Who's number four? Is it Clemson? Is it Michigan? Is it USC? Is it somebody else? Well, they go on the road. Very interesting line. They are an 11-point road favorite at Iowa. Kinnick Stadium, big game, over under, how about this, is 42 points. And so look, at this point, we've done all the Iowa jokes, and I'm not going to sit here. We actually have a weirdly large number of Iowa fans that listen to this show. So shout out to all you guys and girls. When I did the giveaway of the Buffalo Wild Wings gift cards, we sent quite a few to Iowa. So shout out to all you guys and girls in Iowa. But why I bring it up, is because you don't need me to kind of go through all the stats on Iowa and how bad the defense or how bad the offense is. But what I will say, I did think something interesting happened last week at Rutgers. They went 27 to nothing. But why that game was important to me is because they won 20 to 7 to nothing in large part because they forced three turnovers. This is who Iowa has always been. And when Iowa is at its best, they force a lot of turnovers. They put they have a lot of short fields. They take time off the clock, and that's how they beat teams historically, like Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, on and on and on and on and on. Penn State last year in Kinnick, I believe, had four turnovers, which led to the Iowa win. And so when I look at this game, that's what stands out to me, is Iowa coming off a game in which they forced three turnovers. Last year, they were third in the country in total forced turnovers. Is this a game where you can slow down the run? J.J. McCarthy, his first road start, Can you put him in position where it's third and long and he's got to make plays? Because one thing with J.J. McCarthy, I get that he's crazy talented. I'm not saying that Jim Harbaugh made the wrong decision at quarterback. But J.J. McCarthy, 
He has more upside than Cade McNamara, but he also makes more mistakes. If you watch the Maryland game last week, I understand that if you look at the box score, oh, he played pretty well. I think it was 18 to 26. He's awesome. Well, he also took a couple weird sacks. He also tried to extend some plays. Never forget last year, the Michigan State game that Michigan lost in the regular season. Uh, he had a key fumble late. And so I do think that's kind of the X factor here. Can Iowa force a turnover or two? And if they do, can they capitalize? If not, can Michigan move the ball, especially on the ground? Because go back to last week, what did Michigan do effectively? They took the ball out of J.J. McCarthy's hands. They handed it to Blake Corum. Blake Corum, 243 yards rushing in that game. Well, guess who's got a top 10 defense nationally in the run game? It's Iowa, and that's what this game comes down to. Can Iowa slow things down? And more importantly, if they do slow things down, can they put themselves in a position where, where they put J.J. McCarthy in third and longs, put J.J. McCarthy in situations where he has to make plays? And if they do, can they get him to make plays, get him to turn the ball over and keep this close because of it? I'll tell you this. This is my Betfred Sportsbook Boost of the Week, okay? Betfred Sportsbook Boost of the Week, plus 11 at home. You go to betfredsportsbook.com or, bet, you know, the, the Betfred Sportsbook, I should say, download the app in Iowa, Arizona, Colorado. In Iowa. You can make this bet in Iowa. So if you're in Iowa listening, make this bet, plus 11 at plus 110 odds. You're getting great odds on this game. And this is a game I feel very confident about. The last little thought, and why I like this so much, History tells us Iowa is going to give Michigan fits, okay? Prior to doing the show and doing my picks this week, I went back and looked it up because I thought to myself, I said, it feels like Iowa always gives Michigan fits, especially at home. Went back and looked it up. Now, they don't play every year or every other year, so it's not as though Michigan has gone to Kinnick every year, uh, you know, every other year for the past however many years. But it is worth noting, the last five times that Michigan has played at Iowa, Iowa has won outright. The last, five, the last time that Michigan won at Iowa, and again, I know they don't play each other every year. 2005 was the last time that Michigan won outright at Iowa. The last time Michigan won by double digits at Iowa, you got to go back to 1994. I don't even know how many of you were born in 1994. That was the last time that Iowa, or excuse me, Michigan won by double figures at Iowa. This is my bet, Fred Boost. This is my favorite bet of the week. I know you got to hold your nose a little bit. But Iowa plays Michigan tough. I think the matchup favors Iowa to keep things close. Now, Michigan might win, but to keep things close, I do like Iowa. All right, this is what I do want to do. I do want to take a quick break. I do want to come back. And then we're going to hit on all the other big games. NC State Clemson, Ole Miss Kentucky, A&M Mississippi State, on and on and on and on and on. We'll take a quick break. We will be right back. All right, everybody, I'm back. Let's get to the rest of the week five slate. And by the way, you know it's a good week five slate when we are halfway through the show. I have not gotten to three different top 25 matchups. We're going to get to all of them on the back half of the show. Let's start with this. How about this? Noon Eastern, 11 a.m. kickoff on the Grove for a top 25 matchup between Kentucky and Ole Miss. I know we pick game times two, three weeks in advance. But shame, 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 shame that those poor old Miss fans have to leave the Grove at about 10.30, you know, 10.30 local time to get to the stadium in time for kickoff in this one. But really interesting kind of point spread movement. You know, this is why I love doing the betting show. It's because of the fact that the money has come in heavy on Ole Miss 
throughout the week. They open as a four-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. It is up to seven and a half points as of right now. The over-under set at 54. And it's interesting because, as I said to lead the show, this is the time of year where I do think there are some teams that, that even in week five, as we approach the near midway point through the season, I don't think we know a lot about some of these teams. And I think both of these teams are probably applicable. Kentucky, they had that nice win against Florida. But let's be honest, Florida has not looked great since that game. And outside of that, Kentucky has played absolutely nobody. Uh, Miami of Ohio, Youngstown State, Northern Illinois. Ole Miss, not very much better. Their only Power 5 game was against a bad, bad, bad Georgia Tech team that has fired their coach. They have also played Tulsa, Central Arkansas, and uh, I'm not going to lie, somebody else that I, I I have it in my notes somewhere, Troy. How about the Troy Trojans, okay? Uh, so we're going to learn a lot about both teams. Obviously, the money is coming in on Ole Miss, but what I want to start with is the Kentucky Wildcats because I, I do think this game is reminiscent of something I told you before the Florida game, which is that Mark Stoops, through no, no fault of his own, always keep in mind, he plays very conservative when he goes on the road in SEC play. So I went back and looked it up, see if my stats and my numbers kind of confirmed everything. How about this first stat? Since the start of last season, Kentucky has played five road SEC games, okay? In the SEC, five road games. Uh, last year was against South Carolina, Vandy, Georgia, and Mississippi State. This year, they played one SEC road game against Florida. Of those five games, four have gone under. And the one that did it was at Mississippi State that went over by one single point. So they play conservatively. And I don't expect it to be any different this weekend for a few different reasons. One, and it's important to note, they should get back or they do get back or they're expected to get back. Chris Rodriguez, their star running back, who, of course, has not played yet this season. It was a weird offseason for him. We don't need to get into all of that. But he will be back this weekend. And that is a huge boost for a Kentucky run game that has really struggled without him. Now, I think it's more the O-line and there's been some injuries in the backfield more than it is Chris Rodriguez's absence. So I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, coming into this game, Kentucky is, how about this? They are ranked 123rd in run defense, in run offense, excuse me. They have struggled to move the ball. And again, a lot of it has been injuries. A lot of it has been stuff that is out of the player's control. But at the same time, the offensive line just has not been good enough uh, in these early season games. I also do think part of it, if we're going to call a spade a spade, is when the competition is bad week after week after week outside of the Florida game, you have momentary lapses, you have this, you have that. Well, they need to step up and play their best football of the week, of the season. But I do expect them, as I said, to play conservatively, play close to the vest. I don't think Mark Stoops wants to go crazy and open it up against, a, you know, against an Ole Miss. It's not really that he doesn't want to open it up against Ole Miss. But because Ole Miss can be so potent on offense, I think he likes to keep it close to the best. And the other thing that I do think is worth noting, and I think it's interesting, I saw this stat courtesy of TeamRankings.com. I thought it was very interesting. Kentucky is 128th in the country in terms of time between plays. So they play slow, kind of like what I talked about last week with Minnesota. They play super slow. They try to chew the clock, and I expect them to do the same against an Ole Miss team that we know can score in a hurry. What's interesting from the Ole Miss perspective, I think, is actually um, that they're kind of the opposite of who we think they are, right? Now, they do run a lot of plays. They do run kind of that fast tempo when they need to. But I think when we think Lane Kiffin, 
We think, you know, high power offense. We think back to the Matt Leinart days at USC. Uh, you know, we think about some of the stuff that he did at Alabama with, with the quarterbacks that he had there. But this is a run-based offense. It really kind of started last year. If you remember, Matt Corral had one injury after the other, after the other. He couldn't stay healthy. The poor kid had a major ankle issue. It made major ankle injury. I remember reading reports where Lane Kiffin basically said, we don't let him practice all week. He finally gets healthy for game time, and then he gets hurt in the game, and then it's this like never-ending cycle. So it became a run-based offense. And this year with the new quarterbacks, it has very much stayed a run-based offense. As I told you earlier in the show, we think of Arkansas as the power running team in college, in the SEC, and they very much are. You know who actually leads the SEC in rushing? It's Ole Miss. Now, part of it might be the competition isn't good. Part of it might be they get up big and they're trying to chew up the clock. But Ole Miss is actually the team that leads the SEC in rushing coming into this game. And I do think part of that is to take pressure off of the two young quarterbacks that they have tried to break in. It appears as though Jackson Dart uh, is the starter over Luke Altmyer, who was back from last year. So that's really what I think of this game is to be blunt. I think, you know, you, you think Ole Miss, you think uh, crazy offense pyrotechnics. I think this is going to be close. It's going to be low scoring. And I think Kentucky's entire game plan is to keep the ball away from Ole Miss. As a matter of fact, this is one of my favorite plays of the week. As I told you, the over-under in the Betfred Sportsbook is 54. Well, I got the under very comfortably of 54 in this game. Unless Ole Miss scores 60, I don't see how it goes over um, because I don't think Kentucky wants to get in a shootout. I don't even know if Ole Miss really wants to get in a shootout in this one. Um, as far as the point spread's concerned, I would probably take Kentucky plus the points. But to me, the under, I know it's not sexy, but I do feel like it is much more appealing. Let's get to another top 25 matchup uh, this coming weekend. How about this one? This is a really interesting one. This isn't just a top 25 matchup. This is a top 10 matchup in Death Valley, Clemson. The Clemson Death Valley. Uh, Clemson is hosting NC State. NC State is ranked in the top 10. Very interesting line movement on this. Clemson opened as about a seven and a half point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. It was bet down to six and a half when I, uh, you know, when I saw it on Wednesday afternoon. As I record here on Thursday afternoon, it is back up to seven and a half points. And I think part of the line movement is probably, I, I would guess that probably the public came in heavily against, uh, against Clemson, top 10 opponent at home. It makes sense to me, right? Because you look at that Clemson game, I think a lot of people perceive that as a bad win for Clemson last week against Wake Forest. I actually view it as the exact opposite. I said it on the Aaron Torres pod. I kind of do wonder. I don't want to say it's a best case scenario for Clemson. I think it kind of worked out well, right? Because the defense, look, the defense was not good. I'm not going to sit there and say it was. But one, that was probably the best offense that Clemson will see all season long until the postseason, whether it's a bowl game or a college football playoff. And then two, on top of that, they, they were pretty good late. So everybody's freaking out about the defense. It's not as good as we thought, blah, 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 blah. Give it some time. Remember, Brian Brzee had the tragedy in his family. His sister passed away. He was gone for a while. The cornerbacks are new. And you're going up against a very, very, very good uh, offense in Wake Forest on the road. It, stuff is going to happen. This is part of college football, right? Nobody's going to be perfect. Alabama was struggling on the road at Texas. Ohio State struggled to, to move the ball against Notre Dame early in that first game of the season. So nobody is perfect. I actually take it as a positive because the defense wasn't great and it was the offense that bailed them out. And it's interesting, right? Because you go across college football 
And I thought we saw a couple teams win the way that you kind of wanted to see them win last week, right? USC plays at Oregon State. The offense can't move the ball. They rely on their defense. They rely on turnovers. They rely on field position. They end up winning that game 17 to 14. Well, it's almost the exact same with Clemson, only the exact opposite, where you're waiting for them to hopefully do something on defense, and it's the offense that has to bail them out. Now, I don't know if DJ is going to throw for 371 yards and five touchdowns like he did last week. I don't know if you're going to need him to ever again the rest of the season. But if you can get 80% of what DJ gave you last, last week, I think you're in really good position the rest of the year against a schedule that's pretty tough, starting with NC State this weekend, Florida State a few weeks from now, Notre Dame down the road looks better. But I, I think it was an okay situation for Clemson. From the NC State perspective, I'll be honest. I think we're another team. Talk about Ole Miss, Kentucky, Alabama, that we're going to learn a lot about this week. We're going to learn a lot about NC State. Because I'll be honest, I'm not sold on this NC State team at all. I know there was so much preseason buzz, and I'm happy for NC State fans, and it was great that they had all the excitement around the program. Show me what they've done on the field this year. Needed some some kicker malfunctions uh, against, uh, I guess it would have been East Carolina to open the season to steal a victory against East Carolina. From there, you play Texas Tech, you get outgained at home, but Texas Tech has a million turnovers. You end up winning that game. You play Charleston Southern, okay, FCS team, whatever. Even last week against UConn. Listen, you guys know I'm a UConn alum, right? Uh, wearing my UConn shirt as I record here. And what I will tell you is UConn is not good. Todd Furman, my, my buddy who is a, a professional gambler, there's my UConn shirt for people who did not see it. Um, my buddy who's a professional gambler, he said in his power rankings, UConn's one of the worst two or three teams in college football. So when you factor in that UConn's not very good, you factor in, and I know this because I'm an alum and I follow the team probably more closely than most. Their top quarterback is out. Their top two running backs are out. Their top three wide receivers are out at UConn right now. You won 41 to 10. That probably should have been like 64 to nothing, 67 to nothing, whatever. So I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not sold on this NC State team. I also do think it's worth noting, Devin Leary got a lot of preseason buzz, a little bit of preseason Heisman talk. Go look at those stats this season. Right now, his, his numbers are down across the board from last year. Completed 66% of his passes last year. It's down to 64%. Seven yards per completion this year, down from eight last year. Nine touchdowns through four games. He had 35 last year. Two interceptions. Okay, that's good. I'm just not sold on this team. So to me, if I had to make a pick, and I don't tell you what to do, I'm just giving you my honest opinion, is that this feels like one of those games. I don't know if you remember about three, four years ago. It was during the COVID year of 2020. That was the year that Miami really took off with De'Eric King at quarterback. And I remember they played Clemson early in the season in a night game at Clemson. And Miami was getting some real buzz. Remember that season, the ACC was really the only conference that played at the beginning of the year. The SEC joined in late September. The Big Ten and the uh, Pac-12 joined much, much, much later. But the ACC is playing early in the year. They're the only show in town. Miami starts like 2-0, 3-0, 4-0. And everybody's watching those games because they're the only games on TV outside of the Big 12. And so... Miami starts really hot that year, and then they go to Clemson uh, a few weeks into the season, and Clemson's like a, I, if I remember correctly, like a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Everybody's saying, oh, my goodness, uh, Miami, they're good enough to pull off the upset, and then Clemson absolutely destroyed them. I'm getting a lot of the same vibes this week against NC State. Uh, I do think Clemson's going to cover at home. I think this is one of those statement Clemson games where they're like, dude, we're back, we're Clemson, y'all doubted us, doubt us at your own risk. 
Really quickly, let's wrap, rip through the rest of these uh, quick games. I, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on each of them because I, I don't really have a ton of strong opinions. But one, Oklahoma State is a two-point underdog. Baylor on the road. Baylor a two-point favorite probably is the right way to say it at home. Um, in terms of the Betfred Sportsbook, two-point underdog or two-point favorite for Baylor, the over-under is 56.5. Baylor's another one. We're going to learn a lot about them. Now, look, they have played some real competition. Lost at BYU, beat Iowa State last week. But what stands out to me, this is a team and a program. Their entire, everything they do is based off the run game, okay? So why is that important? Well, they've run the ball really effectively against the bad teams that they played. Six and a half yards per carry against Albany, almost eight yards per carry against uh, Texas State. They have not run the ball well against BYU, not run the ball against Iowa State. But I don't know that we know anything about Oklahoma State either at this point. Uh, Oklahoma State, so far, they have played, they opened with Central Michigan, wild game. They were up 51 to 14 at one point, pulled the starters, final score 58 to 44, had to hold on for dear life. They also beat Arizona State. They beat Arkansas Pine Bluff. They have not played on the road yet. Uh, so no super strong opinions on that one. My lean would probably be Oklahoma State is probably the better team. That's probably who I would take. Remember, this is a rematch of last year's Big 12 championship game, which Baylor won on the final play of the game. They got that stop on the one-inch line. I think Oklahoma State comes out looking for blood in this one. Really quickly, interesting game, Wake Forest and Florida State. I'll tell you this, Florida State's a good team. Like, like we just don't talk about them, I guess, because the ACC is kind of down and they haven't really had that national spotlight game since LSU in week one. Florida State's good. Top 30 on defense, top 15 on offense. Mike Norvell has that thing rolling. They were obviously very good late in the season last year and really just doing, you know, just, just playing really, really, really well in all, you know, in all phases of college football. Now, what I'll say, top 25 matchup. Um, and we're going to learn a little bit about them. But also, I, I just think what's interesting about this one is can they slow down that Wake Forest team? Listen, with Wake Forest, what we've learned, and by the way, I should mention, Florida State, a seven-point favorite at home, courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook, over under 64. Um, Wake Forest, I think we all kind of understand. If you can slow them down, you can beat them. Remember, before the Clemson game this past week, Wake Forest had to hold on for dear life against Liberty, and Liberty turned the ball over a bunch. So I think Wake Forest is probably a little bit overvalued right now. I'd lean Florida State. No strong opinion here. But uh, Florida State is a seven-point favorite at home. Really quickly, um, Michigan State, how about this? Michigan State is a, this is incredible, an eight and a half point underdog against Maryland. And you guys and girls know I've been out on Michigan State all season long. Remember two weeks ago, my bet Fred best bet was Washington, Washington minus three and a half at home against Michigan State, which cashed with ease. Well, I don't think Michigan State is that bad. And I do wonder if this is an overcorrection from the last week or so. Michigan State gets embarrassed against a good Minnesota team. Maryland goes to Michigan, plays the game of their life, almost wins. I will tell you that Maryland game, I think, is an outlier. I, you know, I listen, I love Joel Klatt, know him a little bit, respect the hell out of him. But on the broadcast, oh, this team is so improved. This team is so this, this team is so that. They played the game of their lives. They played the game of their lives. JJ McCarthy, it was basically his first real start against a real opponent. Um, and Maryland played the best game they're going to play all year. I saw this stat. It kind of blew me away. I didn't see this stat. I found this stat with my own homework. Maryland had one penalty against Michigan last week. Okay. Um, and I thought to myself, I said, Mike Loxley's teams are usually pretty sloppy. 
They're averaging 10 and a half penalties per game in the three other games. And so I bring it up because they're not going to play that well at home. They easily could have lost to SMU two weeks ago at home. Michigan State, I actually think, is a, a, a live dog in this one. I'll take Michigan State plus the points. Uh, Texas A&M, Mississippi State. Listen, we know Texas A&M at this point. I'm just totally staying away. All the money coming in on Mississippi State. I think they open as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. They are now a four-point favorite. I will not be betting that one. Speaking of not betting, Oklahoma going back on the road, a six-and-a-half-point favorite against TCU. Definitely staying away from that. And if you want a little bit of Pac-12 after dark action, how about this? USC, a 25-point favorite against Arizona State. Oregon, a 17-point favorite against Stanford. The key stat, important number there. Not number, but fact. EJ Smith the son of Emmett Smith, basically the only bright spot for, for Stanford so far this season. He is out with injury. All right, I think that's it for this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. It is time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, all that good stuff. Also, do me a quick favor. Go ahead, go on social media, uh, not social media, YouTube, and make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, College Football Betting with Aaron Torres on YouTube. It really would help me go ahead and expand this show, expand the audience there. So go ahead and make sure to do that. Also, thank you again to our presenting sponsors, Betfred Sportsbook. Remember, the Torres Boost, you can get it in the Betfred Sportsbook. Iowa plus 11. Iowa plus 11. Remember, Michigan hasn't won by double figures at Iowa since 1994. Also, New users, bet 50, get 250 on any game this weekend. That is all for today's show. I am going to get out of here. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the college football betting. I will be back next week with a week six edition. Can't believe we're there. Okay.